Well, it's good to see you all today. It's good to see anybody. I think it's the end of the world. I do believe we are entering into a time much different than we've ever seen before. That isn't a reason that we need to fear, but it is a reason that we need to be aware as God's children what he wants us to do in this time. In the book of Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The word pure is an old English word that we don't use much anymore. Years ago, when you'd go into a store and buy a gallon of milk, it would say pure milk. That means it wasn't, the fat wasn't skimmed off. It didn't have additives in it. It meant it was as it originally was intended, that it was singular. Blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. What it means is when you're looking one direction, you'll see God. When you're singular in your purpose, you'll see God. I think really if there was anything I, was, I would like to impart to you today more than anything else is to help you know how to see God. Because I believe right now we need a substance for our faith. It's funny what you'll talk to people. I was sharing with a couple of people from church here this morning, and, you know, it's really funny what people will trust in. Well, I trust in my rolls of toilet paper. (laughs) Well, you know, that's kind of weird. You better be trusting in something a whole lot bigger than any material possession. But as we trust in God, God is not a relationship with God where we try to serve him and he doesn't talk to us, but God wants to talk to us as well. And, and, and to be able to hear what God has to say to us, blessed are the pure in heart, are those that are singularly listening to God, you're going to see God. And we need to see God. How do we recognize God in a world gone mad? Friends, it's crazy. Whether you look at the supermarkets, whether you read the statistics of, of, a, of a pandemic. And friends, I know uh, as bad as this coronavirus is, it's not the only one out there. They've got all kinds of other viruses now that are just poised to do something similar to what we're seeing. It is interesting in the book of Revelation chapter 6. It says that the beasts of the earth kill people on the earth. And we're thinking, oh, wow, (laughs) animals gone wild. No, it's not talking about that. It's any living organism will kill people. Well, we find this, whether manufactured or not, we find not only the coronavirus, we have Ebola. There's a whole myriad. Black plague, what killed uh, much of Europe in the 14th century, All these are still real. They're still on this earth. And this is one of the things. We live in a fallen world. And the thing is, we need as Christians to be led by God. Now, if you're not a Christian here this morning, or you're listening somewhere, anywhere on earth, through the internet or on CSN or whatever, the first thing you need to get right is to be singularly focused upon God. That's the very first thing you need. Because if you don't do that, any decision you make could and probably will be the wrong decision. Number two, as I shared last week, we don't make decisions out of fear. 
You, God has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but of boldness and a sound mind. We, we have to live in that. But recognizing God, now what I mean by that is this. We all have our ways of living each day. But we need to see through our Father's eyes. What does God want to show us? And I believe that, again, when we start seeing things unusual, that without being tuned into the Holy Spirit, we would miss. In other words, there's something you don't see every day. Whether it be, as an example, as we go through the Bible, the virgin birth of Christ. That is an anomaly. That's something you don't see every day. Yet the people in those days, many of them missed that because they weren't seeing through, first of all, the prophecies of the Bible, and second of all, through the eyes of God. There's a lot of things that might be in front of you, but without seeing through God's eyes, you'll miss them. You'll miss some opportunities, first, to preserve you. Second of all, to further the kingdom of heaven, because again, if you're not here, it's hard for you to, per, to promote the kingdom of heaven if you're not around. So God has ways of opening a door for you and then in turn being able to further the kingdom of heaven because this is the way God works. So watching for opportunities. Now, I don't know if you want to take notes or you just want to be sensitive to the spirit. But the first thing is, in seeing God, you want to be sensitive to what you're looking at. In other words, not just doldrum, day in, day out, everything, but when you see something unusual, it can be an opportunity, it can be an individual, it can be a group of people, it can be a thought, it can be, uh, the Bible says to bring all thoughts captive to the mind of Christ. Why does he say that? Because we get a lot of unctions, urges, and weird things. But again, going back to the purity, those that are pure in heart, see God. I want you to see God. You're going to need to see God. We're coming into a time now different than any other time than we've ever lived on this earth. And you know what? For such a time as this. Hey, that's why you're here. Again, as I shared last week, I believe the hand of God rests upon us. Now that, again, doesn't mean we're go out and do foolish things and, and uh, with, with uh, tempting fate, you might say. But I do believe God does put his hand of protection upon us that are about his father's business. Who are the evangelists of the world? Well, that's Greg Laurie and Billy Graham. No, it's you. You're the one that reaches out on a day-to-day basis, talking to people that the world evangelists will never see, never talk to, no pastor will reach. You are their pastor. So first, get a good understanding in Christ Jesus who you are. If you're not a Christian, I hate to break it to you, you have no purpose. Punishment. But if you are a Christian... And what I mean by a Christian is this, where you have given God who you are in your soul being to him to be about his business and to understand you are his child. God loves you. You are his kid. The Bible says we're also his bride. Now that's an amazing thing to me. You ever think about how going through all of this life, 
All the crazy stuff, how we studied a couple of weeks ago, how God destroyed the earth with a flood. Do you know what all of this is about? Well, God was just really bored and he didn't like the uh, upcoming TV season. So he decided to make this world and, and have some observation. No. He is looking for a bride and a bride that loves him. Now understand this. You are special to God. The angels in heaven, all they had ever seen was the majesty and the glory of God. That's all they had ever known. They didn't have a choice. So God says, I'm going to make a world. And I'm going to veil who I am. And those that love me, having never seen me, I'm going to reward forever because they chose me out of their heart, out of faith, and I'm going to reward them forever. Call them my bride and give them eternity beyond measure. It's a love story, friends. You see about a lot of times about it in, in the different novels and children's books where the prince wanted to find a, 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 a woman that would really love him, not because he was the prince, not because he had money. So he put on old ragged clothes and he went into the, into the towns and, and began to date the young ladies, trying to find somebody that would just love him. And finally he met somebody. The girl didn't know he was really a prince. He had rags on. He was despised of people. People didn't like him because he was the prince. They didn't know he was the prince. And he came and he began to interact and this girl falls in love with him. And so he marries this girl. And on the way back, he kept telling her, well, we're almost to the house. We're almost to the house. We're almost, and pretty soon as they began to leave town and they were headed to the, to the, uh, to the palace, she goes, well, there's nothing else down this road except just, just the palace. And he goes, that's our home. And I'm the king. Flabbergasted. She fell in love with him, not because he was money and he was power and he was Gucci. He, she fell in love with him because he was who he was. God is doing the same thing. That's what this world's about. Why do you see, don't, don't, like I say, when I see anomalies in the Bible, it's how we see God. And when you read a verse in the Bible, God was sorry that he made man. Isn't that a weird verse? But God had a bigger plan, and that was to get his bride that would love him, that would honor him, having never met him. You're going to see that story unfold here in the next few chapters of the book of Genesis, because what was written before is all going to happen. It's the way God works. And so as we look at this, seeing God, when you see something that isn't normal, it's seeing God. And that's when you read God's word. You say, now that's something you don't see every day. And when I read the Bible and I come across a verse, God was sorry that he made man, then God, what in the world is this zoo we call living? It's that God's looking for a bride. He's looking for you. He's looking for somebody that falls in love with him for who he is. 
And then God eventually will reveal who he is in every one of the things in your, lack that li- that in your life that lacks, God will restore and bless and heal and complete. You see, the problem is, friends, we want a Santa Claus God, a gimme God. In fact, there's even different branches of Christian faith that will accommodate that kind of mentality, unfortunately. But I am not here for God to serve me. I am here for me to serve God. God's my dad. I say, okay, Father, what do you want? That's why when we pray, we pray our Father in heaven. Not a mindless, ritualistic prayer, mindlessly spoken, but it's where we say, Father, I'm here. What do you want me to do? I'm here for you. I love you. See, that's what religion never offers. And people that oftentimes, listen, they confuse real father-child Christianity, the real deal, with the phony religious systems of the world. We talked about the Tower of Babel last week. Nimrod head, who uh, was the instigator of the Tower of Babel. The Bible says he was a hunter of men. He was the great hunter but we find he was really hunting men. Creating a world religion, Babylon, in the, in the valley of, uh, in the plain of Shinar. And this great tower that he was building as a monument against God, never again will we be destroyed by a flood. And so we remember what Revelation says. Revelation 17 and 18. Mystery Babylon mother of harlots. There's always a harlotry when it comes to religion that somehow you're going to earn it. You're going to get out there. You're going to sell flowers in airports. You're going to wear blue. You're going to wear your undergarments. You're going to do the, the, the church rituals. That's the mystery Babylon. The real faith is daddy. This morning, I pray that you have that because you see the things that are going to challenge All of us, Christians or non-Christians, in the days to come, you're going to need a daddy. You're going to need to be centrally focused so that you will see God. You have to see God. Are you recognizing the anomalies? Are you recognizing the things that seem to be little, but it's God saying, over here, over here. You see, oftentimes we miss this because we're not seeing through the eyes of God. All the way through the Bible, you'll find anomalies. And I I call them anomalies in in this regard. If you don't know what that word exactly means, it means something out of the ordinary. Moses is on the backside of the wilderness tending sheep. And he sees what? A burning bush. Now, is a burning bush in the desert, something that is unusual to see. No, it isn't. I've seen one myself. I was going over the pass between uh, Ely, Nevada and Las Vegas on, uh, on uh, Highway 318. It was overcast. There was lightning. And I saw a burning um, seed or whatever they are out there. I saw it burning. And quite often we have major forest fires started by lightning. I've seen that. But what was weird, Moses notices an anomaly. What was it? The bush was burning, but not consumed. Watched it for a while. 
Yeah, any minute now, this thing should go out. Keeps going. That's something you don't see every day. And go check that out. Be one that checks things out. Wanders over, and that's when God says, take your shoes off, Moses. Where you're standing is holy ground. And God begins to reveal to him his plan, his voice. You see, God's got a plan, a voice for you. But if we're missing the anomalies, we're so caught up in our own thing that, hey, yeah, there's a burning bush over there. It keeps burning, but I don't care. I'm watching late night TV. You're going to miss because we're not seeing God. All the way through the Bible, you'll find anomalies, things out of the ordinary that if a person wasn't praying, they would have missed. Now, again, when you're singular in your heart to see God, don't believe me, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. The devil will provide anomalies for you to be led astray. But when you're pure in heart, you see God, God's going to use those things to direct you where he wants you to be. Today's the National Day of Prayer. <laughs> Do you think our nation has anything in particular we need to pray about? Or maybe is there anything you can think of that we don't need to pray about. So we're going to pray, ask God to bless his word, and we're going to look at an anomaly here in the book of Genesis chapter 12. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We know your hand is upon us as your children. Help us to be singularly focused upon you first. Second of all, God, on this day of prayer, First, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Not the world, necessarily, but God, for you to forgive us as your children our sins. God, we're sorry. As we see this world unraveling now, as I believe what your word says, it's the beginning of sorrows. We want to be sensitive to your heart. We want to be pure in that heart towards you that we will see the directions that you want us to go, that we'll have those unctions in our heart and we'll be sensitive to the things that we see around us. Lord, we pray for our country. Lord, we pray for revival to come across our country. Lord, when we see what we've been seeing this past week in the stores and world pandemic declarations, God, we realize that we're in a time different than any other time. We've never had anything like this before. But God, you've already been before us. We follow you. And so we ask you, first of all, then, forgive us our sins. Cause us to be aware of your presence in our life and in our country and in this world. And Lord, may you change us and may you transform us to be more like you. Because God, you're going to call upon all of your children to be ministers in this day that we live. Lord, we pray for our president. We pray that you give him wisdom to deal with these things. God, in this upcoming election, establish the righteous, and God, in Jesus' name, take away the wicked. 
Lord, as long as it is while you're here in this world, before the rapture comes, we ask you that you would allow us free course to do what we need to do to get your message out. And that you'll provide for every single person who loves you, just as it was in the Bible, you'll provide for us miraculously to take care of every one of our needs. Oh God, help us for our nation as well to know the difference between our needs and our wants. And so God, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would anoint these words today from your word and that we would understand seeing things out of the ordinary and know God that in spite of our own shortcomings, you still will use us to do your will. And so we ask you now to bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. It says here in verse 12, chapter chapter 12, verse 1. We went over the last, last week, the first couple of verses here, but I want to go back over them with you. Now the Lord had said to Abram, now had said, remember he told him to get out of his country, away from his people. Abram didn't do that exactly. He took his father with him. They're on the journey. And as they're traveling along, and by the way, they're pilgrims. Now here's some interesting parallels. They were pilgrims, not vagabonds. Do you know the difference between a vagabond and a pilgrim? A vagabond has no destination. I am where I am. A pilgrim has a destination. I always thought it was funny going back into some of those old movies and remember John Wayne where he'd say, well, pilgrim. And you think, that's weird because even in secular world, they recognize we're all on a journey. The point is, where are you going on this journey? Pilgrims have a destination. We're all sojourners or pilgrims in this world. This is not our home because we are wanting to go see Jesus the King, okay? So remember that, this is not your home. We find here God told him to get out and away from his people. They're on their way. They loaded up the truck. And they're on the way. They came through this um, uh, place called Haran. It was a nice place. It wasn't Canaan where God had told Abram to go. In Haran, it was a nice place. You know, rivers, streams, you know. all this. And he stopped there. Now what's interesting about that, it says in the last verse of the last the last verse of the preceding chapter, so the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. They got to Haran, that's where they stopped. He dies, and then Abram continues his trek over to the land of Canaan. Now it says, get out of your country from your kindred. This is one of the first things he didn't do right. Now, again, why is this important to read this? Because as you find the great commission concerning Jesus Christ, you find the great commission to Abram. This is the beginning of the Jewish nation and the lineage of the Savior who was to come to redeem the world. 
So that's why this is important. So this is really, in a way, the great commission of the Old Testament because he says, get out of your country and from your kingdom. Why is this important? Because though God spoke to him, he did not do exactly what God said to do. God still used him. Remember that. We always think, well, God will never use me because I flub up so much. Yeah, that's right. Does God enjoy using flub ups? I don't think so. But you know what? God understands us and he continues to scrape us up and get us back going again. I like that. If God only used perfect people, I guarantee you, friends, nothing in the kingdom of God would ever get done. So just consider yourself saved by grace. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. We're going to go from there. Get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house. What did he do? He brought his father with him. Is that a problem? Uh huh. Why? Because they were idolaters. In fact, the book of Joshua tells us they were still idolaters at the time of Joshua in that area. By the, by the way, that's one of the reasons God destroyed them. So he says, get away from your father's house. So what does Abram do? He brings his father with him. Now you think oftentimes, as you study the New Testament, you'll find them chiding with Jesus. Our father Abraham said. Well, you'd think that, you know, Abraham was like a captain shiny buttons, got it all right, got a smiley face on all the report cards. Nope. In fact, as we just read the very first chapter that deals with Abram, you're going to find this guy fails almost all the tests. And yet God still used him. The reason I want to share this with you, we are in trouble in our world. We're in trouble in our nation. We've got crazy viruses going on and all this kind of stuff. God will use you. But the devil likes to come along and paralyze you and say, well, God's not going to use you because you're a flub up. (laughs) You know what God does with flub ups? Fixes them. This is the difference, friends, between a relationship with God and religion. Religion will point out your failures. That does. Religion does that. That's what religion does. And religion will say, well, you know, to get right with God, you know, go burn some incense. Go wear some nice clothes. Go say so many mantras or prayers. Go crawl up the Sistine Chapel on broken glass on your bare knees. That is what they will do to try to tell you how to get... See, religion never fixes the problem. Religion can expose the problem, but it can't do anything. That's the problem with the Old Testament law. That's why Paul says, when you read Galatians or any of the other places that the law was the schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. Religion cannot fix you. Isn't that dismal news? Religion can't fix me. But Jesus can. And that's the difference between religion and a relationship with the true and living God. Now, here's the point. Abram... bragging about Abram all the time to Jesus. Well, our father Abraham said, like he was a superstar. He really messes up. This chapter shows the 
the, the, the total depravity of Abraham, yet God still used him. Friends, there's great hope for you and me. Let's look at this. Get out of your country, from your kindred. Now, by the way, your kindred, we're going to get up here in the next couple of verses, uh, verse 5, and we're going to find out what happened when he did not do what God said to do. Who else did he bring? The Bible says he brought along with him Lot, his brother's son. Remember Lot's wife? Jesus even spoke about this. One of the shortest verses in the Bible. Remember Lot's wife. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept when he cried over the whole death situation that befriends man. But remember Lot's wife. Well, notice he says, and your kindred. That would be Lot, as, as a matter of fact. From your father's house, that would be his dad, to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Wow, what a neat thing. God's going to make Abram a great blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those that curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. There, again, is the prophecy of Jesus Christ that was going to come from the loins of Abraham. Okay? Through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. I'll bless those that bless thee, curse those that curse thee. Isn't it interesting what happened in Nazi Germany when he went after the Jews? Do you know, I believe that if he had not gone after the Jews, we might all be speaking German today. But you don't touch God's people. Rome thought it would be a really classic thing in 70 AD to crush the city of Jerusalem, burn it with fire as that German, or excuse me, that uh, Roman general Titus came in and leveled the city of Jerusalem 200 years later. This great, mighty Roman Empire was gone. In fact, if you study history, anybody that's, that's went after Israel, something that just makes God really mad, and he fries them. I believe this is one of the reasons why America has been blessed. We have been a friend to Israel. The previous administration, not so much, but the current one is. And I believe that's one of the reasons we have been blessed. I'll bless those that bless thee, curse those that curse thee. And through you, through Jesus Christ, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And so it is. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. By the way, it's never too old to be about doing what God wants you to do. I look at this, Abram, 75 years old. I'm in my 60s, I go, wow, I can still do a lot for God. You know, a lot of people are like, I want to just retire. I want to buy me a chair. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. God wants you to do great things for him. No matter what condition we're in, God will use you. His brother, all the possessions that they had gathered, all the people's souls that, were, that he acquired with him in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Kind of picture the Beverly Hillbillies. I don't know. Loading up the truck. Sorry about that. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Tiburneth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Who would appear to him. By the way, your heart is now the altar. 
Whenever you need to talk to God, you don't have to build a stone altar to talk to God. The Bible says we just pray. Isn't that great to know? You don't have to do something to get God's attention. See, this is, again, something that the Old Testament was a schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. It showed us why we needed Jesus to come, that we didn't have to go around building altars everywhere every time we wanted to talk to God. Now the Bible says we just call out on his name. That's so important when we understand that it's not religion, it's a relationship. So he built an altar there, and it says that... um, And he appeared to Abraham, to your descendants, I'll give this land. There he built the altar. And he moved from there to the mountains east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west side of Ai on the east. Now, you remember Ai was one of the towns that Joshua, uh, when they went into the promised land, conquered. And so he says, on the east, and he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still towards the south. Now, sometimes it would be nice that there was just a period and there was a new chapter inserted. But that's not the case here. Let's look at this. God had called him to go to Canaan, so he got there. Do you realize whenever God calls you to do anything, there will be difficulties? Why is that? I believe when you become a Christian, you may not have been aware of the devil before, but you will be after you become a Christian. You have a formidable enemy, the Bible says, who studies you like a general but wants to conquer a city. He wants to stop you from doing what God has told you and called you to do. It's no different. And everybody's challenge is different. What may be a real temptation to you may not be a temptation to me, or what may, one may be to me may not be to you. But we know the devil wants to stop what God wants to do. Now, this is why it's important. Abraham journeyed, going on still towards the south. So he's in the land of Canaan where he wants him to be. Verse 19 Now there was coronavirus in the land. No, it didn't say that. It says there was a famine in the land. But there's always going to be something that if that thing wasn't there, everything would work. Have you ever done that? Have you ever wrecked your car right at the most importune time in your life? Like you got a lot of stuff going on. (laughs) I didn't share this with anybody, I'll tell you. We have a dead man's corner out here in front. I don't know why it is. People leave the waterfall. They're euphoric. Waterfalls, rainbows and everything. And they don't stop. Now there's a big stop sign out here with a flashing red light on it. Red lights, flashing, Christmas. No, it means stop. And almost once every, what do you think, Pete? Once every Three weeks, we have a bang-up, smash-up destiny out here. Well, we had one. There was a bumper laying out there in front of the church right below our sign. I thought, you know, that looks really bad. I'll get out, and I'll move it. So I drive up, put the car in park, get out of the car. 
I go, I pick up the bumper, and I just put it behind the sign, and I go back, my car's gone. This just happened not too long ago. It's gone. Well, where'd my car go? And I look, it's in the irrigation ditch. With the little tail end sticking up like a stink bug. And I went, oh no. Now there wasn't any water in it, and that was a good thing. So we pulled it out. Yeah, it's got some scratches and dents and stuff like that. But it still drove, and that was a good thing. But the thing is that I, I look at is that with all the other stuff going on, that was something I go, you know, can't you just have a wreck when everything's going well? Instead of when you got a thousand things you're trying to do? But the point is, is this, it, it, it doesn't matter. God has his hand in all things. Came to pass, there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. Now, where in the Bible here does it say, and God told him to go to Egypt and sojourn there? It doesn't. I have found something. When God tells you to do something, do it until you can't do it anymore. So he takes matters into his own hand and goes to Egypt. Now, I found this in my life. Maybe you'll find it in yours. We certainly see it in Abraham. When you get outside of God's purpose for your life, you have to start compensating in the flesh. Let's look. God never told him to go there. Verse 10, if you like to circle things in your Bible, circle verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. That means to live there, to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarah, his wife, indeed, I know you're a woman of beautiful countenance. And by the way, she's 60 years old and she's gorgeous. Now, ladies, it's never too late to still be gorgeous. This is one of the things here. 60 years old and she's beautiful. Now it says here, therefore it will happen, verse 12, When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me and let you live. Please say you're my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake that I may live because of you. Okay. Something's wrong. God never told us to go to Egypt to sojourn there. God could supernaturally provide for us in Canaan, being this is where he told us to go. So now that we're not doing what God wants us to do, honey, will you start lying for me? Read the anomalies. When you have to start lying, when you're outside of God's will, and lights are flashing, wrong way, wrong way, wrong way. It's probably a good idea to say, (laughs) let's let's just go back to Canaan. I think we're on the wrong road here. But he doesn't do that. Now, by the way, this is Abram, the ones that the Jewish nation were chiding Jesus about. Well, Jesus, we don't know who you are, but our father Abraham. 
Yeah, the one that was telling his wife to lie, the one that was taking off to Egypt when God told him not to go there. Let's read on. Tell him you're my sister, that it may be good. Verse 14, so it was when Abraham came to Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. They said, woo, major babage, come with us. Now, I guess these probably part of Pharaoh's harem was always on the look for a super fox. Hey, here's one. Let's grab her. Okay, so look at what it says here. And he treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep and oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. Uh, he, He was... You know, it's a sister, so we want to be part of the family here. Pharaoh's rich. Hey, have some donkeys, have some Porsches, have some whatever. Gucci. Trying to impress him. But notice, but the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Verse 18 is an extremely sad verse. And it's when the world rebukes a child of God for non-faith. Isn't that a sad thing? Let's look at this. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? that I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here's your wife. Take her and go your way. Get out of here. Isn't that a sad thing, friends, when the world rebukes a Christian? You know, by the way, if this ever happens to you, you might be around a group of people, maybe at work, and maybe something will go wrong, and a four-letter expletive word will come out of your mouth. I've thought, and I, this actually happened to me, and um, it was really weird because they said, you're a Christian and you just said the word? And I looked at them and I thought for a minute, See, they, they, and I said, yeah, I'm sorry about that. But it's really weird that deep down in your heart, you know that people aren't supposed to talk like that. So God will judge you according to the words that you say. In other words, you're a Christian and you said a word you weren't supposed to say. How do you know what a Christian is to know how we're supposed to talk? Your own words condemn you. So you can always use that if you find yourself saying something you wish you wouldn't have said. Somebody said one time, if you're a good listener, a person will tell you everything wrong about them. It takes have to listen. So, Abraham is rebuked by the world. Now, again, remember, this is after God had called him. This was after God, after Abram made an altar uh, to the Lord to speak to him. So he was one of his. This is 
outside of the Pharisees' understanding when they were chiding with Jesus, our father Abraham, as if he was a superstar. No, Abraham actually did a lot of really squirrely stuff here, insomuch that he got kicked out of Egypt because he was going around telling everybody that Sarah was his sister. Now, there is a bit of truth here. It's his half-sister. Yeah, it was his sister halfway. So maybe you might say he was only half-lying. Well, the problem is he was doing it to deceive, so he was wrong. Seeing through the eyes of God. If, as you live your life as a Christian, you find that you have to start lying, you're on the wrong road. That's what it is. How do you know? If you're walking in faith, if you're walking in power of the Holy Spirit, you don't need to lie. But if you find yourself lying, that tells you that you're not seeing purely God and you're having to add in other ingredients to make it work. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Take your wife and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, his wife, and all he had. Wow. Interesting verse. Interesting chapter in the Bible. That God used Abraham in spite of all this to do his will. Tells me that God's going to use you and me in spite of our failures. God is bigger than than the things you've done wrong. Should then we do things wrong to just prove how big God is? No, because it is time wasted. You realize at this point in Pharaoh's life right now, the land of Canaan versus Egypt, he was hundreds and hundreds of miles out of his way. Remember, God's plan for you is bigger than the things you've done wrong. Religion can point out what you've done wrong, but it can never fix the problem. The Bible, on the other hand, says a relationship with God, the great restore, fixes the things that are wrong in our lives. That's the difference, friends, between religion and a real relationship with God. Being pure in heart and having a bunch of junked up rules and somehow trying to uh, appease God. We're living in absolutely exciting times. We've talked about the Lord coming back for many years. We've talked about the end of the world. And now I believe we're starting to see glimpses of what is going to happen. Now you look at this over the coronavirus. What's going on in the stores? I mean, people getting in fistfights over toilet paper? Do you really need it that bad? This is what they trust in. I've got my rolls of toilet paper. I'm a somebody. I mean, think about it a minute. We used to think what was really cool is somebody that had a Porsche. Now it's a roll of toilet paper. Man, I'm cruising. And we go, what is going on? What's happening in our world? I mean, people say, well, the wheels have come off the bus. Listen, the whole bus is gone. What I'm saying is this, God has given you himself. 
And God has given us a family. That's why I really believe it's important to belong. I don't know how bad it's, again, as we said earlier, if you're hacking and wheezing, well, you know, maybe, maybe until you're sure it's just a cold, maybe don't infect everybody else. But the thing is, you still have a family. We still have each other. I don't know to what level we're going to need each other in the days to come, maybe a whole lot more than we ever dreamed. But it's nice to belong. And this morning, you need to belong to Jesus more than anything else. You see, God's bigger than what you've done wrong. I I know a lot of people say, well, I'd be a Christian, but I'm afraid I'll fail. Let me tell you, you're going to. That's why 1 John says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus. You need that advocate. You need that. But that doesn't mean we live that way, perpetually stay that way. It means we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you and see what you will do. As we look at the story today, I'm always amazed that they were hanging, the Pharisees were hanging their hat on Abram, probably forgetting about who he really was, as it says in chapter 12 here. See, one of the great things, your identity is not from your ancestor. Your identity comes from Christ. This morning, I pray that you've come to Christ. I, I pray that he's your, 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 your Lord. Listen, we're, we're down to the wire now. All hands on deck. When you see what we see in this past week, I, 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 as I was <clears throat> looking at it and listening to it, I'm going, God, this is different than any time I ever remember in my short life of a global pandemic and runs on stores and, and, and what people buy. Do you realize you can't eat toilet paper? You know, you know what I mean? I mean, you go in the stores and there's no toilet paper. You know, on the other side of the aisle, there's Doritos. I mean, hey, I'm going to get my choice. Give me Doritos. You, you see, the thing is, even our value system in pandemics is goofy. Let me tell you something. If you're in this bad of shape, toilet paper is going to probably be one of the last things you're going to have to worry about. But see, it's our world. And the world follows the world. Years ago, I shared this once before, I think, but years ago, they tore up Blue Lakes Boulevard. It was torn up for almost the whole year. I don't know if you remember that. If you lived here and you experienced that, it was uh, quite an incredible time. And they called us Blue, uh, Blue Lakes Barrel Racers. I, I don't know if you, anybody, anybody remember that when they had the Blue Lakes torn up? I don't know what they were doing, digging in China. I don't know what they were doing. But I was with my friend in his car, and we were driving, and he goes, watch this. He must have been Steve Martin's brother. He said, watch this. We're going down, and he goes around one, you know, got all these barrels, and we're all going straight down the line. And he goes, watch this. He goes around one barrel like this. And every single car in my rearview mirror went around that barrel. (laughs) Pray what God wants you to store up. 
pray. I'm not saying not to store up stuff. Don't get me wrong. But you need to pray rather than follow the leader or follow whatever is out there. You need to say, God, what do you want me to do? God might, you might be the jerky baron of the river, river fellowship. I don't know. I got jerky, you know, I don't know. Whatever it is that God has you do, do what he says. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. Well, hey, Mike, it's really weird. I work over at um, one of the food processing plants here in town, and I can get boxes of uh, granola bars. Hey, that's something you don't see every day. Do you think that maybe God is directing your thoughts to that, saying, hey, that's something that might be useful in the days to come? You see what I mean? Instead of going, oh, that's neat. But no, going, hey, that, that's, yeah, that, 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 could be, that could be useful. There's a burning bush over there, and it isn't burning up. That's something you don't see every day. See, it's God. Oh, that we'd see through the eyes of God, that God would sensitize our hearts to his Holy Spirit. If you're not born again here today, you need to be. Your future is on the line. Your eternity is on the line where you're going to spend it. Let's pray. Father, this morning, for every person listening today, may we align our life with yours. And God, that as we see that you will use people that don't always do it right. Lord, rather than living that way, we want to do it right. We want to be about your business. Help us sensitize us. And Father, for every person that is not right with you, Right now, in Jesus' name, they'll just repent. Okay, God, from now on, it's you and me. What time I have left, I will serve you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life, and I'll serve you for the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Father, may you move on every person that we would be more like you. And again, God, on this national day of prayer, may we truly, truly pray and fast for our nation and for the world, God, that you would use each one of us to be an impact in others' lives. In Jesus' name, amen.